Thank you so much, Pastor Doug. What a joy to be in this pulpit. What a joy to be back at the church that I grew up in. I have such wonderful memories of growing up in this church. Many of my worshiping Sundays were right over here in this building over here. And uh, it's a joy to be back. It's a joy to see so many friends, so many old friends from my years growing up here. It feels almost like a century ago that I went on my first short-term mission trip from Carriage Lane, and then I realized it actually was a different century. It was 1998 that I went on a short-term mission trip to Peru from this church, and I'll tell you, it's amazing that some of the people that I went on that trip with are here in the room today. Praise God. That is so awesome. So uh, it is a joy to be here, my family, Betsy and I, Uh, We just thank you for this opportunity to preach God's word, to be here with you. Um, When when Doug shared with me the theme verse for your conference this year, I was delighted to see this verse from the book of Habakkuk. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a glorious verse. And as I was seeking the Lord's will, Lord, what, what do you want me to preach on? We're going through the Gospel of Mark in my church in Columbia. The Lord said, Josh, just stick in the book of Habakkuk. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 3. I will tell you, Habakkuk is a marvelous little book. The Bible scholars will tell you that in a lot of ways, it's sort of like uh, the book of Job condensed into three chapters. That's the book of Habakkuk. And we're going to look at God's word from the end of the book of Habakkuk, starting at verse 13. Habakkuk chapter 3, this is the word of God. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors. Who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread upon high places. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Oh God, we look out and we do see a world that seemingly is in chaos. It appears that the devil is winning the day sometimes, even to your people. Lord, give us the eyes of faith 
to see how your kingdom is marching forth to every corner of this globe, even now, as we hear the preaching of your word, men and women are coming to Jesus. They are hearing the good news of the gospel. They are surrendering their lives. Your spirit is quickening their hearts. Lord, sweep us up into this grand vision of what you are doing in this world for the glory of your name. And we pray, O Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. Three points this morning. Human vision, spiritual vision, and the life of faith. Human vision, spiritual vision, and the life of faith. Let me talk a little bit, first of all, human vision. Um, let me explain a little bit about, about the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk wrote something like 650 to 600 B.C., about 650 years before the birth of Christ. And from the standpoint of Habakkuk, things did not look good. The glory days, the days of King David and King uh, Solomon are long gone. And at the beginning of the book, Habakkuk says to the Lord, he says, God, I'm seeing all of this uh, evil around me. And God says, Habakkuk, you're not even going to believe what's going to happen I'm going to send the Babylonians in to judge my people. And I couldn't help but, as I was thinking this morning, the the similarities between what's going on in Ukraine right now in Russia. Um, We've all been shocked. We've all watched with horror at, at the evils of the nation of Russia invading Ukraine. And God says to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I'm going to send in a people far more powerful than the nation of Judah. I'm going to send in the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. And they are going to come and bring judgment upon your people. And Habakkuk is thinking to himself, just like the book of Job, God, what what are you up to here? I mean, Lord, I, I know your people aren't perfect. I know that we're sinners, but look at these Look at these evil nations. Look at the nation of Babylon. How how do they not deserve your judgment, O God? If we look around our culture right now with human vision, we should be honest and say things don't look so good right now, if we're honest. I mean, we uh, we have war in Europe. Who knows how that will will end what will go with that we have an economy with inflation of course COVID hasn't gone away yet and then there is the moral degradation that we see around us in our culture the continued compromise of biblical values that we see in our culture and if we're honest we would say oh God things don't look too good right now Habakkuk, you can see all of this, by the way, chapter 1, first four verses of chapter 1 of Habakkuk. You will see Habakkuk. He says, this is what I see. I see violence. I see conflict. I see strife. I see the wicked persecuting the righteous. I see justice being perverted. That's the context that Habakkuk is given a word from the Lord. And if Habakkuk were to look at our nation right now, I wonder what he would say that he sees. What moral decay would he say that he sees? Would he point out the toxic blend of 
Christianity and politics that's Christian nationalism? Would he point out our greed? Would he point out our materialism? Surely he would point out the attack on biblical sexuality and gender that is going on right now, the LGBTQ plus agenda that we see advancing in our culture. Do you know the latest study I just saw revealed that Generation Z, um, one in five, one in five in Generation Z identify as LGBTQ. That's the latest uh, poll that I saw. It's in the water. And so Habakkuk would look out on our country. We have so much to be grateful for, but certainly he would look out and say, oh Lord, what are you going to do? From a human standpoint, from human vision, things don't look too good. And here's the question for Habakkuk. What is going to triumph? Faith or fear? Which one is going to have the day in Habakkuk's life? It feels like verse 15. It kind of feels living today like the surge of mighty waters, doesn't it? That there's just this storm around us. When I was in Egypt for a mission trip in September, I was very aware of water. If you go somewhere where, where you can't just drink out of the tap, okay, which is a lot of nations in the world, by the way, you can't just drink out of the tap, you will be aware of water like you've never been before. When I was in Egypt, I was so aware of water. And in the Bible, water is usually a good thing. But sometimes, like the surging of mighty waters, it's something that God's people are afraid of. And sometimes we wonder, friends, is God's side really winning? That's human vision. That's chapter 1 of the book of Habakkuk. Now let's talk about spiritual vision. Let's talk about the salvation of God's people. First of all, what is faith? Faith is not this this attitude that, that just dismisses the circumstances that we see. It's not just sort of pretending that, that you don't see the hard things that you're going through, that your nation is going through, that the church is going through, that the world is going through. It's not an ignoring of those things, but it's, it's rather you look at those things, but you see Christ. You see the power and authority and supremacy of Jesus above those things. And so that you know you don't have to worry. When uh, Betsy and I were in seminary, we had some friends, and um, they they had they had kind of something in their house. It was kind of like a gag gift, I guess you would call it. But it was this cow. It was a I, I kid you not. It was this electronic cow, and you could you could push a button, and some music would start coming out of the cow, and the music that came out was "Don't worry, be happy." And uh, I still think a few of my kids may be traumatized from coming up to this cow and pushing this button on this cow and this cow would sing. And uh, maybe that's why we lost touch with these friends. But um, they were some good friends in seminary. But that's not what faith is. It's not just a don't worry, be happy, ignoring your circumstances, ignoring what you're dealing with. Look at Habakkuk's emotions in this passage. Verse 16, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. 
Habakkuk is honest about his emotions. He's honest before God about how he feels. He feels, O Lord, God, where are you right now in these circumstances? And yet, it's in the midst of this context that Habakkuk finds himself in that God answers, and it's in the midst of this context that we get the most famous verse from the book of Habakkuk, which is Habakkuk 2.4, which says, My righteous one will live by his faith. That great verse that the Apostle Paul quotes in the first chapter of Romans, that the author of the book of Hebrews quotes in Hebrews 10.13, that amazing verse, the righteous one is justified by faith. The righteous one lives by his faith. It's found right in the middle of this context. God answers Habakkuk. Habakkuk, trust me. Live by faith. Believe by faith that just as the waters cover the sea, so my glory is going to cover this earth. Where do we see God's salvation in this text? Look at verse 13. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. Now, some translations like the NIV translate the second part of that verse for the salvation of your anointed ones. In other words, anointed ones is equivalent to people. They say that it's, it's kind of Hebrew repetition. But here's something that's interesting. Do you know that the Hebrew word for anointed in verse 13 is in the singular, not the plural? And nowhere else in the entire Old Testament are God's people called his anointed ones. So I wonder along with a scholar named O. Palmer Robertson, a great biblical scholar, I wonder, along with O. Palmer Robertson, if the better way to translate verse 13 is this, you went out for the salvation of your people with the salvation of your anointed. In other words, it is through the power of God's anointed one that he's going to bring salvation. Jesus right here in verse 13. Because Jesus is the singular anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ that God has promised to send his people. Right here, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the turmoil, God says, I am going to send my anointed one, my Messiah, for the salvation of my people. Habakkuk believes by faith, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea because God is saving his people every single day. Because he's gathering his elect from every tribe, tongue, and nation in Habakkuk's day just as in ours. I mentioned this. I was in Egypt in September. I've never been to the Middle East before. Well, I was able to go to Israel. I believe that's technically Europe. I've never been to the Middle East. I was, I was in uh, Egypt in September to go on a mission trip. To go, and uh, I did do some preaching and some teaching while I was in Egypt, but the, the main reason I was there was to attend a missions conference uh, put on by a ministry called Streams of Living Water. And this is a, a movement that is bringing the gospel to the Muslim world. 
And so I went into Cairo and I met the leaders of the organization. And then what they do is they literally put you on a bus and you drive out to the desert because even in Egypt, there's still secret police and you still have to be careful with who you tell you're a Christian. There's a level of tolerance in Egypt, but, it, but it's still, especially for Egyptian Christians, it's still very dangerous. And so we got on a bus and we went out into the middle of the desert to a conference center where, we, uh, there, where there was no secret police. And there's a missions conference. And this is what the conference was. They invite about four to 500 Egyptians. And through preaching and through teaching, they challenge these Egyptians and people from other countries to go and give their life for the Lord and to go into the mission field. And I watched as dozens of Egyptians said, Lord, I will go. I will go into your harvest field. I will go into the Muslim-speaking, Arabic-speaking areas of northern Africa and even the Middle East, and I will take your gospel. There's a, term, there's a term you should know. There's an acronym you should know. It's MMB. MMB stands for Muslim Background Believer. It was amazing, friends, to get to meet MMBs. Muslim background believers. I'm talking about people that did not grow up in the church, that did not grow up hearing the name Jesus, had never seen a Bible in their life. And yet it's the power of this gospel that we believe that came in and transformed their lives. Some of them, yes, through miraculous visions, absolutely. Some of them through dreams. Others through hearing the gospel for the first time after having never heard, heard a word of Christianity. And these folks giving their life to Christ and then saying, Lord, I will go into your mission field. You see, the, the dialect of Arabic that's spoken in Egypt is kind of like the lingua franca for, the, for Northern Africa. If you speak, if you, your accent can be understood in pretty much any nation in Northern Africa. So here I am and I'm, I'm getting to witness and it's really, I'm the one being more blessed by being at this conference than they are by me. And I'm getting to witness these Egyptians saying, yes, Lord, I will go. I will go to this nation. I got to witness a man from the nation of Mauritania, if I said it right. And he was from Mauritania. He'd been converted. He said, he said I'm going to go back to my nation, tell people about Jesus. Oh, and by the way, there's a law on the books right now in Mauritania. They're not even hiding it. It's on the books that says if I convert people away from Christianity, I can be killed. But I'm going to go because God is with me, because he saved me, because he will protect me, because his gospel's going forth, and I'm going to go and tell people about Jesus. And I think, wow, Lord, give me faith like that. Because this is what you're doing in the world. This is what spiritual vision sees. You won't hear about it on the news. You, you, won't, you won't find it on the internet, what God is doing. I have a friend who attends my church. He has uh, done missions all over the world. I think he's been to 80 or 90 countries. Okay, 80 or 90 countries. This is what he said to me recently. He went on this trip to Egypt with me too. He said this. He said, Josh, as far as we know, what is happening in the Muslim world right now with Muslims receiving Christ is the greatest work of the Holy Spirit to bring Muslims into God's kingdom that we have ever witnessed in human history. Did you know that? The greatest work of the Holy Spirit, of the gospel going into Muslim 
speaking countries is happening right now. You won't hear about that, but it's happening. And this is the spiritual vision to say, Lord, you are doing it. Just like you said to your servant Habakkuk. Just like you said, you will go out for the salvation of your people. Lord, you are doing it. Last point. Last point. The, the triumph of faith. The, let's talk for a moment about what faith looks like. The life of faith lived out. The actions and attitude of trust. Let's talk about that for a moment. Well, first of all, you see from Habakkuk, what's the attitude of faith? The attitude of faith is joy. I mean, by the way, all the scholars say this. Verses 17 through 19 are some of the most beautiful you will find in all of the Bible. And actually, secular people will say that too. They'll say, it just from a poetic standpoint, verses 17 and 19 are some of the most beautiful verses you will find in the Bible. One time Ben Franklin was in France. He read the verses. They said, that's so beautiful. He said, it's from the Bible. He didn't tell them. Though there's no fig on the fig tree, though the olive is not bearing fruit, though there's no cattle in the stalls, what's Habakkuk's attitude? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Not I'll survive. I'll kind of get by. I'll make it from one day to the next. No, I will Rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of salvation. This is the attitude of faith. This is what God gives us by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to see past our circumstances and we're able to see Christ and what he's doing and how he's drawing the nations to himself. What's the actions of faith? Well, it's going. It's... it's, it's from the heart to the feet. Look at verse 19. God, the Lord, my strength, he makes my feet like the deer. He makes me tread on high places. I wonder how many of you thought about Isaiah 52 like I did today and the Holy Spirit worked out the scripture reading just perfectly because I was going to go to Romans 10 anyway. Isaiah 52 where The prophet Isaiah says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Isaiah 52, 7 to 8. And then, of course, Paul. And you have to wonder, was Paul reflecting on the book of Habakkuk when he wrote Romans? Because he already quotes 2, 4. Maybe it was in Paul's mind as well in Romans 10, where we hear, how then will they carry, how will they call on him to whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord, uh, Lord who has believed and heard from us, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Let me end with this. There's a temptation to be discouraged and fearful right now, even before what we saw on the news the last few days. There's a temptation to be fearful and discouraged in the church. 
And I will say that our brothers and sisters in places like Egypt and in places like Ukraine would say, yes, being marginalized is not fun. We've, we've been marginalized for a long time ourselves, but God will give you what you need. He'll strengthen you, church. And we've lived out Habakkuk 2.4, that the righteous one is justified by faith. So keep trusting God. Keep walking with him. Keep pursuing him. And let me say this, as someone who benefited so much as a young person from this very church, keep giving sacrificially to missions, church. The gospel's going out. It's happening. Keep asking God to raise up missionaries in your midst. Keep going on short-term mission trips. See the church outside of America. Make an effort to learn about what God is doing in the Muslim world right now. It's, it's really not glamorous by the world standards. You know, some of these folks, a Muslim comes to Christ, what do they do? They can't go tell people they're going to be thrown in jail. So they start a church in their house. But go find out about what God is doing. And many of these countries being a Christian is probably not much different from what Habakkuk feared with the Babylonians. And yet you will see the joy of the Lord on their faces the hope of the gospel in their hearts. Friends, the gospel is the good news that the world needs to hear. It's the news that sinners like you and I need to hear over and over again. That if we confess our sins and invite Jesus into our hearts by faith, I love what our Westminster Confession of Faith says about justification. It says you're justified if you receive And then you rest in the righteousness of Christ. That's the gospel. That's our message. That anyone who receives that message by faith, that repents and will receive Christ and rest upon him and his righteousness, will be united to him by faith. This message needs to go forth to our neighbors. It needs to go forth to the end of the earth. We know that Jesus told us that things would get worse as the day draws near. And I'll tell you, I have, you know, we all have questions about heaven, don't we? You know, sometimes my kids ask me questions. Dad, you know, is there going to be soccer in heaven? Is there going to be ice? I don't know, you know. Seems like that, that seems like that'd be a great thing, but I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing I don't have a question about. And this is something that sometimes people will say. Well, why hasn't the Lord come back yet? Why hasn't Jesus returned? But that one I actually think is a pretty easy one. I, could, I may not have all the answers, but I think that one's actually a pretty easy one. The Lord hasn't returned yet because he's got more people to save. He's got more of the elect to gather in. That's why he hasn't come back yet. He's got to save all of his people first. And then when he does that, The trumpet will resound and the Lord will descend. And so until that day comes, friends, Carriage Lane Presbyterian Church, keep about the work of missions and evangelism. Keep telling people about Christ. Keep supporting missionaries. Keep sending teams. Keep being a church that's on mission with God. Keep the gospel front and center.
live by faith. And like Habakkuk, whatever comes, though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no fruit, the flock be cut off, yet we will rejoice in the Lord. We will take joy in the God of our salvation. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we want to be about your work of missions. Lord, we know that MMBs are coming to Jesus right now. People in Egypt, people in Ukraine, people in the most hard and closed off nations, your spirit is breaking through. Your gospel is changing hearts. Give us a zeal, a passion for it. Give us a heart for it. Help us to know that Jesus is the only solution and is the message we all so desperately need. Help us to carry forth to be those with joy in our heart and like the swiftness of deers of a deer in our feet, Lord, to take that message to the end of the earth for the glory of your name alone. Amen.